0: Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, a.k.a. TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter, underscore NJ Watson. And today, we begin our deep dive into what goes on behind every major TV
1: writing program as we take a look today at the Disney ABC Writing Program. And to do that, we're joined by a very special guest. We have Christy Schutten, who oversees the Disney ABC Writing Program as manager of creative talent development and inclusion at the Disney ABC Television Group. Welcome, Christy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here.
0: And like with all our episodes on the TV writing programs, we will be covering everything from the application process and the selection process to the program
1: itself and what comes after. So let's get started. First off, can you just give us a brief history and overview of the Disney ABC writing program?
2: We are approaching our 30th year anniversary, so we're really excited to share And the overview of the program basically entails it's a 12-month program, and we bring in eight writers that go through a a grueling application process in May. And then we go through a long selection process where your scripts are read. And then we go through phone call interviews, and then we have in-person interviews, which I can break down a little bit more. And then eventually the selection process Wraps in the fall around December and you're notified if you get into the program or not. And then we kick off our program starting in February for 12
0: months. And why do you feel writers programs like yours are so important to the industry?
2: I think our job right now is to find the undiscovered talent that's out there that may or may not have those entry points into the entertainment industry, it's really hard to knock down those doors sometimes and get those relationships going. So I think the programs are really helpful in that sense. You do not need our program to become a writer, but it's incredibly helpful. But what our mission is, is not just to put writers out into the system. It is to find very unique talent that we believe in and we can support and launch their careers in the
0: industry. And the end goal will be staffing.
2: Staffing, absolutely. We've had hundred percent staffing knock on wood um the last i think eight years were going on now so before it used to not be considered a staffing program it's more a development and learning the skill and working on your craft of writing and its own but now it's evolved to where we're working on your branding and your pitching and we're more in a management type position with you through the whole process so it's definitely geared towards staffing and possibly development
1: and how did you come to be in your current position how long have you been doing this for and what'd you do before that
2: Oh, gosh. I started off in the industry years ago. I've been in the industry about 18 years, and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. And this is something that we always tell writers, you never know how your journey is going to change along the way. It's so fluid. But I actually started out in the tech industry. I was actually a programmer. And my light bulb went on one day when I was sitting in a meeting with somebody from Google, and they were talking about how they wanted the girls to crack The creative side of them because they had the eagerness and the passion in them. They just didn't know how to switch over. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my light bulb went on. I'm like, this is why I love working with scripts because I'm so right side and left side brained. But I learned through programming, believe it or not, that you miss a beat, a dot, anything in there, your programs and your story is not going to come to life. So that's kind of how I parlayed my work that I did before into what I'm doing now. And I'm just such a people person that I loved getting people work and helping people grow and whatnot. So I transitioned into this role about 10 years ago. And when I started with the company, I was just bopping around, not quite sure what I was doing. And so I finally found my love and where I can actually add a lot of
0: value to the industry. That's awesome. To that point, let's get into the the program and specifically the application process first. Can you walk us through what that entails and what is needed to apply?
2: The process basically starts out with us dropping our application online And that's something you can find out from us by following us on Facebook. We do have an Instagram page that's growing. We also have a Twitter account. Then by your networking, you'll be able to find the dates when we're gearing up to post the application. It's usually the beginning of May when it goes up and you have a 30-day window. And we always highly suggest that you don't wait till the last minute to apply. (laughs) Be ready to go. By being ready to go, that means go ahead and start working on your sample that you want to apply with. And we do want to have an original sample from you. The specs are just not read as much anymore, but the original sample, always keep in mind, that's where you want to show your voice and where your point of view is coming from. And that's something we want to connect with when we're reading you. On top of that, the personal statement is required. And that is a very, very important piece of the process for us because we're reading through there and we're trying to identify you as a potential marketable writer with a really incredible life experience that you can contribute to shows. So that's something we really dive into and focus on. We can work with you on your craft, and we always do as far as your script work goes, but we can't change your journey. But we want to know more and more about you. We're really hungry for that information, so we really dive into that. And the folks that get read professionally as well as by our executives and then those that pass with a really interesting bio. And also those that get personal recommendations from those that are in the industry as well will move forward. And then we will go through a pass with only our internal executives because the first round of reads go by our professional readers. And then they come into the executive ranks at ABC. And that includes Freeform and Disney Channel as well. And we have producers also in the mix that are going through and reading your scripts and whatnot. So those that pass that particular phase move on to the in-person interview. So when you get to that stage, you're probably one of 60. And the original applications, we take in about almost 1,800 to 2,000. So it's a really in-depth process and narrowing down process. And it's it can be really tricky and challenging for us, but we do put a lot of time into making sure we're moving the right people forward. And then after the phone call interviews, we narrow it down again to about twenty eight. And the 28 get to come in and sit in a room and chat with executives. We get to know you a little bit better. So during the in-person interviews, we basically take that time to see how you interact with others as well as get more in-depth with your personal background. And then we make a selection out of those 30-minute interviews. And then we select the eight that start the program in February.
0: So just to go back on the application process itself, uh, can you walk us through why you chose to go with original samples as opposed to spec scripts?
2: The original samples really show your personal point of view and they show your uniqueness as a writer. And that's something that's very important when we go to attempt to staff you in our shows, nobody ever asked for a spec at this point. I think I've had one showrunner in the last probably five years that's asked to read a spec, which is important in its own. It's a great exercise because that way people will know how you can see a show and carry out that voice and continue those characters and that series arc that's being guided by the showrunner. That is important for you to be able to do that. But as far as staffing goes... Everybody that we work with, including ourselves, we really want to see your unique point of view on the page and see where your creativity and your stories are coming from.
1: And in terms of the applicants, who is eligible and not eligible to apply?
2: You have to be a U.S. citizen Mm -hmm. and you have to be over 18 years of age. And we don't have a requirement where you have to go to film school. You don't have to have certain industry experience. I will tell you that industry experience does help you, guide you through this process. It's very important that we... Also see your eagerness in trying to put yourself into the system to learn.
1: And that's very important. And is this considered a diversity program? If so, what is the program's definition of diversity?
2: The program of diversity can be very misconstrued by a lot of people. And I know that's been a big question over the years. And the way we look at it is we want to make sure there's so many unique voices and that we're putting into the system we're working with. And that could mean anything. It doesn't get down to gender. It doesn't get down to race or culture, anything like that. We're looking, if you go into our realm of selected writers that come into our program, every single one of them have a very unique background. And that's what we are looking for behind everything else. It's like, we want those very unique stories because that's what makes our shows and makes those rooms tick.
0: Going back to the scripts, uh, what are the most important things you look for in a person's sample?
2: We want to make sure that there is a clear setup at the beginning. You have to remember that when you're being read by us or even by executives, the chances of somebody reading past the first 10 pages or so, those pages will not be read. So when we're looking at that, we are aiming at that first and make sure you know it's a clear setup of your characters. We know where this is going to go. And at the same time, it's like, you know what, it'd be great if you kept our interest to where we're like, oh, my gosh, I really want to finish a script. And those scripts do come to us. But for the vetting process of this, because there's so, so many, you have to keep in mind that that first 10 really needs to be the best you can give it. It doesn't mean we won't finish it, but that's where our emphasis pretty much lies on for this process. So on top of making sure everything's clear at the beginning with your story, where it's going, your characters, we do want to see eventually that, do you know how to set up conflict? Do you know how to set up resolution? Is there a beginning, middle and end, or are we just completely lost during the whole process? So that is something that you just have to keep in mind and reading your own script is not recommended. You want to make sure that you're getting other people to read your script so you don't miss that when other people were reading it, because that is something that you eventually want to hand out to producers or to get that first staffing gig or to get that second or third, it still needs to be sharp and on point. So this is something that we tend to look for at the beginning.
1: So what are some of the common mistakes you might see in these scripts that might take them out of the running?
2: I would say basically what I was just saying would be, we're confused as readers. We don't see any, character setups you don't necessarily have to have your stakes right up front but when we get to the point where you're introducing so many characters and we get so confused on who's going where and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes it's like you can't jam-pack the front of your script you just have to have a really nice balanced setup and I think some people try to just jam it all in the beginning I think that's really hard on a reader or producer to read and before they'll just shed it and go to the next one.
0: And what is the reading process like for those samples? Is there some kind of scoring system, different reads? How does that work?
2: The original applicant pool that we are looking at at the very beginning of the process includes reads by professional readers that we hire that have been with us for a long time. We're very comfortable with them. And we also bring them in to train them and to review exactly what we're looking for at the network, as well as Freeform and Disney Channel. So they are aware when they're going out and scoring them, which, yes, it is a scoring process, they know what we're looking for, and we're all on the same page. So we're not missing steps, and we're not having different readers read at a different pace, or they have different interests in mind.
1: So you mentioned the bios earlier. What are you looking for in an applicant's bio?
2: The bios are your personal story. They're not a credit list, and I think a lot of people get that confused and they start talking about all the work that they've done, or they talk about how they were raised by TV. And then they also make the mistake of telling us what the landscape is like in television, which those three things specifically can always be left out. I would highly suggest leaving those out because one, we already know what the landscape of television is. That's our job. And We know you were nine times out of 10, all of you were raised by television. That's what it's inspired you, or it was your escape as a child. And that's why you fell in love with television. Um, It's a very common story for us. We wanna know something more unique about you. But we also want you to tell us a story in that bio. And that could be something that happened in your childhood. It could be something that happened in your middle years. And that's something that catapulted you into becoming a writer. But I think
0: for the most part, it's a personal journey. Do you consider that bio in contrast or in addition to the sample? Or are they sort of different uh, elements of the application process?
2: They are different. But at the same time, they do have a tie-in because whatever's in your personal personal bio, it should be baked into your script. That should be your own point of view. So we hope to see that voice, whatever we're reading in the bio, we're hoping to see that also in your script.
1: So you mentioned having some industry experience was good. What kind of experience and how much do you think is useful for people to have? Is it possible to be overqualified or underqualified for this kind of thing?
2: Overqualified, yes. That can happen because I wouldn't use that word, but Around that realm of being overqualified would be people that come into the application process and they get down the pipeline, they get in front of us and we're like, they're so ready to go that we feel like we can just open doors for them and we will work with our finalist in that way because we want to make sure that everybody's a good fit for the program and somebody may come through and we may feel like they don't need it. And then we have people that are trying to break in and they come through and they haven't even made any attempt to work in the industry and that's not held against them. But at the same time, we want to know at least you're making the efforts in that pursuit because there's so many people you're going up against that are doing that exact same thing. They're trying to fight for that writer's assistant position or They're going out and they're networking all the time and they're in 10 writers groups versus somebody that says, I want to be a writer and they're not doing any of those things. So we like to see that
0: ambition. And in terms of the reference letters, how much impact do they have on the overall application and what are you looking for in those reference letters?
2: You have to look at those. It's not just a component to the application process where it's just going to bump you forward those letters of recommendations would be coming from people that know your work and they will vouch for you and they will support you. And I think they're really important. They're not required, but I think it shows again, that you have that ambition and you have people around you that are supporting you and reading you. And I think that's an incredible part of your journey becoming a writer is making sure you have people around you, the right people, I should say, reading you and giving you those notes so you know how to maneuver and what you need to tweak or adjust
0: on your scripts. And do you weigh the level of seniority of those people that are recommending the applicants?
2: Yes and no, because again, it could be a really high level producer that just did, I don't want to say, sometimes they like I'll give them a favor and they'll just write a letter. That's different if you have somebody that's writing a very personal letter, not that you hang out at their barbecues or with their families at the birthdays, but they can really speak to your work. And that's what makes a difference. And that's really what we're looking for in those letters is, are the recommendations of people that can speak to the work. And I have to mention no professors. That's something that we really don't lean into very well we want people that are working in the business to write those letters
1: so for anyone out there right now who is preparing their application what do you recommend they should focus the most time on and maybe what they should uh, pay less attention to comparatively
2: oh gosh that's tricky definitely your script your script should be very tight look for typos typos will throw you out if you have multiple over and over and over that means you didn't take time to process yourself And make sure you complete the application thoroughly, because we have people that either one have filled out the wrong application year, (laughs) because they had something saved on their computer from the year before, or they have actually forgot to attach a script when they're completing the process. So those are automatically dismissed, unfortunately. And just make sure you're following the instructions because they change every single year. You can't just assume that you've applied multiple times before. that It's the same process for this year and that we try to evolve that every year. So please pay attention to the new application that we post every year. And the personal story, the personal bio, I should say, I think is incredibly important because it has a lot of weight. Because That's your story that's going to sell
0: you to every single staffing job that you go out for. And conversely, are there any elements of the process that you feel people are overly worried about, that they shouldn't really worry?
2: There's worry every year. And I think to reduce some of that anxiety about going through the process, it's very smart to reach out to other people that have gone through the process. And we have had a lot of our people that go through our program like, oh, I talked to so-and-so who's done the program or has applied before. And I do always offer encouragement that just because you didn't get in the first time doesn't mean you shouldn't apply again. Because we've had people that have applied multiple times to our program and they finally get in. It just depends on their craft and where they're at. And they evolve every single time we see them come through the pipeline. (laughs)
1: Moving on to the selection process in more detail. First, can you just do a brief recap of once you have all the applications, how do you whittle them down in the selection process?
2: So the first part of the process, we take all of our applicants and we go through to make sure everybody completed the required documents, whatever needed to be uploaded. And those that don't give us everything that we need, we dismiss them out of the process. Then we move on to the next phase. And that includes our professional reads where everybody is read. And again, it's very focused on the first 10. And following that, we go through and read all of the personal bios of those that move forward. And that's where we spend time reading every single one of them. And those are all read by internal executives on our team. And following that, we wait for the professional reads to come back and those that scored highest in that. We are reading the bios, internally by all of our execs and we will go ahead and select the top 60 and those people move on to the phone interview process and during the phone interview process that i think has been a really anxious time for a lot of applicants but we do give a forewarning that we'll be calling between a certain day and time And that's the time where we really want you to just relax and have a conversation with us because we want to know your personality. Are you somebody that we're really interested in? Can we have an easy conversation with you? Or are we sitting there trying to pull information out of you the whole time and making us work really hard? It should be a really easy going two way conversation. And it's again, it's a personal conversation. It's not going down your resume. It's talking about you and your personal journey in life. And those that we find the past that part of the process, meaning, was it engaging? Were you able to share stories? Was it a two-way conversation? We pick our top 28, and then we bring you into our meeting room, which, again, that's another intimidating part of the process, walking down the long hall, and you're walking up to a closed door, and you don't know what's behind it. Well, behind those closed doors, I'll demystify a little bit of that for you. <laughs> are a handful of volunteer producers and executives across Disney ABC, including Freeform and Disney Channel, and some of our showrunners will attend, and it's all by volunteers, so they are coming in on their availability, so we can't even tell you in advance how many executives you'll be walking into, but it could be a room full of five to ten, and we've had up to 15 sometimes in a room. And when you walk into that room, you have to realize that you're walking into a room of cheerleaders. They want to get to know you. They want you to do well. And they've all read you by that time. So they're familiar with you. And that's your time where you go through and pitch a story or our show of your choice. And you get five minutes to give us a pitch. And then we just get into another series of light questions where we're getting to know you. Some of the executives may ask specific questions about what shows are resonating with you, where do you feel your voice would fit, because that's part of the selection process too. We need to make sure you have a voice that we can put into our ecosystem.
0: Going back to that interview on the phone that you mentioned, you said it was kind of a conversation. What kinds of questions or things are you looking for and usually ask in that conversation?
2: We usually like to spark it off by just... First of all, it's a congratulatory call, making it to that stage, because out of 1,800 applicants, it's a big feat. And I always, myself personally, I always let everybody know that, you know, it's a great place to be and make it through all those applicants. So the conversation at that point, that kind of helps relax the applicant when we're on the phone. But it's more about just asking them, tell me a little bit about yourself, something that I don't know, something that you'd like to share, you find interesting about your life and then it typically will just spur from there.
1: What are some things that often trip people up on these phone interviews?
2: I would say when they're in the middle of something personal and it's very important that they don't have the moment to focus and what I mean by saying that is we've had applicants in the past either they have and I'm not making these up, but we've had them walking into hospitals. We've had them taking their dog that was hit by a car yeah, into okay. the Fed. It, and somebody was sitting at a funeral. It's just, oh we are, we're still human on the other side of the phone. And we have a range of dates that we can make these phone calls to you, which is why we send that out in advance. And we always like to let everybody know if we call you because they're not scheduled calls please let us know if there's something going on where, you know, if you need to call us back in half an hour an hour tomorrow, if it's still within our phone call timeframe, because we really want your full attention. And that is something we can definitely pick up on when we're taking those phone calls, whether you tell us something's going on or not. (laughs) So be careful of that. And then also I would say be engaging if we are sitting there, pulling one question after another, after another, and you just give us the really simple question, just sit there and wait for the next one. That's not what we consider engaging.
0: It's kind of like a one-way conversation. Yes, that's
2: a one-way conversation. We (laughs) want a two-way conversation.
0: And in terms of that pitching and and panel process, how do you select the members of that sort of committee that are going to be in front of the applicants? And also, what do you look for in the pitching process?
2: As far as selecting those that come into that room to help make the selections, those are all of our showrunners, producers, and executives within our Disney ABC ecosystem. And we just send out an email, and they volunteer. And they are also thrilled about the program and the candidates that have come out of the program. They're so supportive. So you'll have executives sitting in there for two days straight, or you'll have some come in and out for really big chunks of time Because they really want to be engaged in the process. But they're all upper levels, people that have just been
1: incredibly supportive of the program. And then when people are giving their pitches, what kind of stuff are those panel members looking for in an engaging pitch?
2: Uh, Surprisingly, a lot of people will walk in and pitch one of our ABC shows or Freeform shows. And they will have an actual producer (laughs) or an executive that covers that show in the room. So when that moment happens, they are really critiquing the pitch And there will be some moments where they'll say, oh, that's happened already. So they'll catch on to that or it'll be the quite opposite. Oh, I really love that pitch. So it can be very advantageous to have one of those covering execs or producers that work on that show that you're pitching. And I have to be clear, too, is when you're coming in to pitch a show, it does not have to be a Disney ABC show it has to be a show that we want you to pitch that you're familiar with the characters in that storyline so that's something to consider as well
1: so to clarify you're pitching a spec episode of an existing show how on you, air yes, yes on air okay yes. yeah. so that'd be kind of like sending your
0: spec script to the writers room of that show. <laughs>
2: exactly exactly
0: <laughs> and in terms of that selection process do you try to find a balance between comedy and drama writers
2: yes we actually do we, this year We leaned a little bit more on our comedy writers because of the programming that's on right now and the needs for staffing. So this year we have five comedy and three drama, but we're realizing that a couple of our comedy writers are actually dramedy writers. So that worked out really well because we've been working with them on their craft a little bit more and finding their stories. We're in the fine tuning process right now. So that happened afterwards, but we do ask that is important too, when you're applying is to check one box. And that doesn't mean we'll fixate on you being one or the other, but we will find your voice, whether you lean into one or the other versus what you checked when you applied.
1: There's also sort of a mixer process that you throw the applicants into. Can you talk about that?
2: The mixer process happens just before the in-person interviews. We bring all the applicants in on the morning of because the interviews actually take place over two and a half days. Everybody gets a half hour. And what we have found to be really beneficial is to bring all the applicants in. We put them in a room with some of those executives that will be participating in those pitch sessions. And that's just a free form mixer where you just get to, one, meet the other applicants, which is really important because you're building out your own community at the same time, whether you realize it or not. And then also you're getting some time with the executives and producers.
0: Is there anything specific that you look for during that mixer, like social abilities or how they pitch themselves?
2: We're not looking at that. That's actually what the executives and producers are looking at when they're in that room. They're actually walking out the door and saying, oh, my gosh, so-and-so is really engaging. Oh, my gosh, let me know how this person does. or I want to be on that specific person's panel. So it's a really good time to shine and be engaging.
0: So it's sort of a way for them to inform themselves before they enter that panel process or that pitching process. A little
2: bit. It really, it's in a sense it's completely separate, but at the same time, it's part of the process, if that makes sense. It's its its own thing.
1: It's like so an extra credit or something. It's extra <laughs> credit, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then you mentioned the in-person interview. Is that the panel pitching, or is there a separate in-person interview later?
2: No, that's actually in the panel.
1: Okay, gotcha. Yes. So after you've read the original, are you asking for any extra samples throughout that process, or is it just the, the one script? Just the one script for now.
2: But we do encourage you to have something else ready to go just in case.
0: And what are some of the key differentiators between a finalist who makes the program versus one who does not?
2: That's a really tricky question because those 28 that we see at the end, all of them have an incredible chance of getting staffed, whether through the program or not. Some of those finalists that come through, we again, we feel that some of them might be able to be staffed without the program. So they get put into their own group. But what we're doing now is including the finalists and other writers that we meet that may or may have not applied through our program. We're offering professional development workshops. So they are actually in our system, even though they're not in the program. So they're getting access
1: And for those who don't quite make the the final eight, do you think that there's anything that they can take away from that or uh, try to improve on for next time?
2: The takeaways they have going through the process are definitely valuable because you're meeting, you're getting in front of executives. You are making a stamp in that arena with Disney ABC. You will be put into our database. So when other staffing opportunities do come up, just because you aren't in the program doesn't mean you won't be considered. So the finalists do stay on our radar. It's so you past another entry point. So I would consider that incredibly valuable in its own. And again, you're meeting other fellow applicants that you are on the same path with.
0: And on the reapplication of it all, you encourage obviously people to reapply often if they didn't make it into the program that far. What lessons should they take based on how far they made it?
2: Well, I would say the best thing you could do is if you get to, like I said, the getting to the phone interviews is a big part of the hurdle is getting to that point. And I've heard from many applicants when we do interview them, like I've been here before. I've never passed this point. It's like the point of no return. So (laughs) we can't unfortunately give a feedback to every single person, but through these professional workshops that we're starting to offer, I think people will realize that Uh, I need to work on that or I need to work on this. There's no one shoe fits all. And I think by understanding when you're only getting to a certain place in the process, you just can't get past that hurdle. That's when you really need to change up your game, meaning you're not doing something that's meeting the needs to get to that next step. So you really need to focus on yourself and get other people involved with your journey, whether they are upper levels in the business, a manager or an agent to help you break that wall where you're stopping at. And again, I'll reemphasize that. You don't need this program, but it's incredibly helpful to go through the process in its own. Granted, if you get in or you don't.
1: And do you actually track how many times people have applied and how far they made it? And then does that help you when considering who to put through to the next rounds? Does it work as a tiebreaker or anything like that? Or is it just a... It
2: has nothing to do with if we select you, if you've applied 10 times or one time. But we actually don't say, oh, he applied five times, we should let him in. That's absolutely not part and of it. And you
1: the don't process. hold it against them either. No, 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 know.
2: not at all, not at all. Actually, one of our writers from last year, she applied 5 times before she got in.
0: All right, let's get into the program itself once you get in. And uh, firstly, what do you see as the unique strength of your program that sets it apart from all the others?
2: First of all, we're paid. <laughs> <laughs> The program runs for 12 months. Most of the other programs in town, they're by weeks or they're evening programs. But ours runs for 12 months and we're paid program. And that also includes Disney benefits because you're basically brought on as an employee of the company. So you'll come into the program, you get the orientation, you get the medical benefits, the Disney silver pass. <laughs> and uh, then what we do is we workshop you every day. We're in there working on your script. We're working on any projects that you had that could be potential development. We are working on your branding, which is incredibly important. That's working on that one minute pitch that you will use repeatedly for the rest of your career, possibly. So we are constantly working at probably the first three to four weeks is really diving in heavy because the staffing season is right around the corner once they start the program.
1: And what is the the time commitment for the program itself?
2: Early February. I'm not going to give you a definite date because it can fluctuate each year, but usually the first or second week of February, and it runs through the next February.
1: And is it five days a week, nine till six? What's the sort of...
2: Five days a week, you're in the office, just like every Disney employee. Mm-hmm. And you come in, we have a conference room set up, and we... Basically, we want the program writers to be their own writer's room. We want them to support each other and bounce their script notes off of each other. And we do table reads. So the whole setup of the program is for them to work together. And we're right there beside them, guiding
0: them. And you mentioned that the program is paid. Why do you feel that is an important part of your program? And does it have any relevance to the staffing process?
2: The fact that it's a paid program, it takes somebody into our world as a full-time employee. So you don't have to have that day job. You don't have to have that concentration of bouncing back and forth. I have to go to my day job and then I have to go to a program. So I think it really directs everybody's attention full-time to what they really want to do. And I think that's important so you're not getting distracted by everything else around you. So I feel that's really important and differentiates us from the other programs. And also if you're a writer's nine times out of 10, you could be just sitting at your home and you're not getting paid. So (laughs) I think that's a benefit too. It's like, you're actually doing what you love and you're getting paid and hopefully you'll make more money. I mean, if you get on a show, so we have an annual salary and if you do get staffed on a show, knock on wood that you will, if you get an episode assignment, you get that extra check for that payment on that episode. So you have the potential to make even more on top of your writing program salary
1: can you walk us through what some of the classes and workshops and programs that you put the writers through throughout the year?
2: Sure. Uh, We will bring in showrunners that will come in and talk very openly about what they expect in their writer's room. What does that feel like and how to take a meeting with a showrunner? And I primarily focus on branding. So we're working with them. It's very therapeutic, I have to say. And we do keep Kleenex boxes around the offices. (laughs) But I'm working with them a lot on finding their personal stories because when they're getting ready to go out for a potential staffing, we need to have them on cue and on point for how they can contribute to that room. What characters can they connect to? And where is that coming through from their personal life journey? So we're working on personal pitches a lot. And on top of that, we're doing workshops with, uh, let's see, working on your script. We do, let's see, I said the showrunners. We will do set visit or showroom visits. We will do, I took them the other day to the animation side of the business so they can understand that the world does go beyond live action, even though that's not a staffing opportunity when they're in the program, it's strictly live action. But we're trying to immerse them in everything that's out there that they could potentially be working for as a writer. And that includes animation, imagineering, feature animation. There's just so many different outlets available. And a lot of people don't think about even parks and resorts. So uh, on top of that, I would say we also bring in a green team. And that green team comes in and speaks about how you can write your scripts, being socially aware. And it could be down to a trash can or a water bottle but they teach you these cues because disney is really invested in that part and you'll actually maybe after what going through a workshop or even hearing something about that you might start picking up on that when you watch tv shows especially on disney that they're very environmentally aware that's
0: fascinating And uh, on the writing side, are the participants expected to write a specific kind of script, whether it's a spec, a pilot, a feature, whatever it is? And what do you hope they take away from writing that script in such a, a constrained timeline?
2: Well, they are required to write one original while they're in the program. Granted, if you're on a show, that that's very hard on your time. But some of our writers that do go out at the beginning, they have the tail end of their program available to them with their time to work on something And the reason why we want you to do that is because once you're done with the program, we want you to have that piece of material that you can go out and potentially develop. Or you have a piece of material ready to go and you can go get representation. And that's another part that we also help with. We bring in agents and reps and lawyers just so they can understand what the functionality is of each
1: Each one of those. Yeah, that kind of speaks to our next question. How do you prepare the writers not only for the craft side with all the writing, but the business of TV writing, going out and pitching and developing and meeting agents and execs and managers?
2: Oh, we do work with them on pitching. Uh, We also work on getting those connections for them with various agents and reps in town. So their material is distributed to various agencies During the process, it's not the representation is not anything we really focus on at the very beginning. Some people will come in with a rep or maybe just a manager at the beginning, but it's maybe one or two of them. But we really don't need them to focus on that quite yet. But we do start sending them out to the reps in town so they can start reading them. And towards the middle to the end of the program, they'll start getting calls and emails to set up those meetings because the agents and reps really can't do anything with them during the program. We're technically their reps and their agents, managers, all that good stuff during the 12 months. So even if they signed up with somebody, it's not to their benefit. They can't really work with them quite yet.
0: So what are ways for the writers to best use and make the most of the program once they're in it?
2: Oh, I would say make sure you use every minute wisely while you're there because you're in a building on a studio lot with so much access. And I feel like sometimes the writers don't realize what they have around them. And I think you have to take advantage of that. And that's whether you're going down to the commissary and grabbing lunch and you run into an executive, hey, let's set up a coffee and make sure you befriend all the coordinators in the office because... They are two floors above you and they are the gatekeepers to those meetings to some of our execs. And I think the time that you have in the program goes by so fast, and a lot of writers don't realize that you can blink and it's over. And it is tricky, I would say, when if you go out to staff early because you kind of miss out on that beginning part. So if you go staff on a show and you come back, that's when you really have to just get yourself out there while you have those relationships at your fingertips.
1: what do you hope that the writers learn about the kind of collaborative process of working with other writers or even working with execs and getting notes on their things uh, throughout the program?
2: Well, getting part of notes is part of the process. It's part of the religion, I should say. (laughs) It's nothing you're going to get around and you have to learn to be open to that. And if you're not, that's going to be an incredible challenge for you to work around. And I would say, luckily, most of the writers that come through our program or even our finalists, they tend to be very collaborative but that's another reason why we set up our meeting space for them to be together all day long to embrace that collaboration on all of their projects and because it's what you're going to be dealing with as you're going into the tv industry every single room
0: is collaborative You mentioned your incredibly high success rate at at getting your writers staffed. How do you work with your studio and the industry at large to get those people from your program staffed?
2: That's called relationships. (laughs) And we basically set up various meet and greets. So once the writers do come into the program, we work on them, get them ready for their one minute pitches. We're working on their script. Once those are ready to go, we set up our meet and greets. So we'll have a meet and greet with ABC studios and network. And then we'll also do a separate meet and greet with Freeform and one we'll with Disney channel. So they get that intimate time with the executives and some showrunners. And by having those experiences in my relationships, I'm able to either one receive an email right after and they are saying, Oh my gosh, I love so-and-so I want a meeting or I can do the same thing where I'm sending them out and I just say, you know, I have a program writer. It'd be a great fit. And they will take a meeting. So, it's just as easy as tailoring the experience on my end as it is on their end as well. Not everybody's a good fit for every show.
0: Making the right connections at the right time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, what efforts does the program make to keep in touch with and support alumni from all the previous years, especially if they maybe don't get staffed during the program?
2: We work with all of our alumni. They are part of our database that we have, and we're constantly putting them up for development opportunities or staffing opportunities but we still keep relationships with all of our alum
0: our family and how has the program evolved and adapted over the years to suit this ever-changing industry
2: well right now we are launching our digital platform so we're evolving around that and we're taking advantage of where we have more opportunities to potentially put talent so we are working with every possible production company that has a part their partners with the studio. We're working with all of our internal platforms. So we we're working wherever we possibly can and we've actually grown in the sense of where we can put our talent. So we don't have the bandwidth technically, so we're trying to figure out what processes we can do on the inside to still service the businesses as well as service the talent because that's our primary goal is to get these people work. So we are constantly bridging those gaps in relationships or we're getting the phone calls now versus, you know, five, seven years ago where we were calling everybody else. Do you need talent? We got mm-hmm. talent over here. Do you want them? <laughs> Can you take a meeting? But now it's we're getting calls constantly every week
1: for talent. Speaking of which, who are some of the notable success stories to come out of your program?
2: Oh, let's see. I will have to say right now over on Good Doctor, we have one of our alums, Brian Shen. Shen. Yes. So that show, I will tell you, The Good Doctor, we actually have three alums. We had one current program writer and two of our program directors were all on one season.
1: Nice.
2: It was nice. an incredible story. And then we have referrals. that We have showrunners. We've had um, Jane Espenson came out of our program. They're sprinkled all over town.
1: So just briefly, what are some of the other initiatives that fall under creative talent development and inclusion umbrella? And where does the writing program fit within all of that?
2: Well, we have our programs, which we have the writing program and the directing program, and I oversee both of those. So that entails managing eight writers, 15 directors. And then on the side of that, we offer professional development, and that is for all levels of talent. So we will have sessions that are geared towards writers, how to work through that first 10. We will have how to take a meeting with a showrunner. We will have a a personal branding session coming up soon. And then for directors, we have the same thing about cutting your reels or what it's like to get that first episode versus that second episode. And we're constantly just out there trying to do these sessions just to inform people what we need on the inside. It's a let us help you help us kind of a scenario. So that's kind of how we're building or catering our workshops is to finding the needs of on both sides of the business.
0: What is the hardest part of your position?
2: Not being able to help as many talent that I can. I have the bandwidth for it's, it's very demanding and I wish I had more time to be honest with you, but we have an amazing team. We're doing amazing work over there and there's just so many people we want to work with, but um, that's the biggest challenge. I have to say it's a personal (laughs) one, very personal.
1: And what do you think is the most enjoyable or rewarding part of your job?
2: Seeing people, get work and continue to work and watch them continue to knock down those walls instead of getting discouraged. Those are the people that really make me proud. And those are moments that I feel like I contributed to and I could help. So those are my feel-good moments.
0: And what do you see for the future of the Disney ABC program and all your other initiatives as well as the challenges they may face?
2: Well... Challenges, I'm not quite sure. I think because the programming is, the quantity of programming, I should say, is ever evolving and the quantity of shows that we have to compete with out there for staffing, I think that's a challenge, but a good challenge. And the program, I'm not quite sure where that's going to take the program, to be honest with you. I would love to double it if we had or at least <laughs> if we had the if we had the bandwidth or maybe there's some way we can uh, reformat the program to help more people but that's the reason why we started offering this professional development workshops is so we can help other people so maybe it's not necessarily changing the program or we're, we're not sure yet so it's, it's very exciting it's very exciting time so right now
1: so how do you find the other participants for your professional development programs
2: the professional development programs are are geared towards those that have connected with us in some way and that could be at a community event it could be through a referral we don't advertise them as well as agents and managers they're always referring talent to us and they also include our finalists that
0: come through for our directors and writers programs. And do you have any final advice for writers thinking about submitting to the Disney ABC writing program?
2: Please apply and make sure you give it your best. Don't go through and think it's an easy process without and waiting till the last minute, definitely get yourself ready
1: and be prepared for a ride. And where can writers find more information on the program and the other things that you guys are doing online?
2: All of our information right now is posted on our Facebook page and the professional development is not just a, heads up that is something that's all internal so if you need to get a connection to our department which and if you don't have that already you can work through your writers groups or if you're represented you can talk to your agent
0: Or your manager. And we will put all those links in the show notes. But before we go, if you enjoyed this episode and want to be notified when the next episode of the TV Writing Program series drops, don't forget to subscribe to our Paper Team podcast, where you will get access to all 130 plus episodes about the craft and the business of TV writing available on both iTunes at paperteam.co slash iTunes and on all Android podcatchers at
1: paperteam.co slash Android. And we are also now on Patreon. So consider supporting the podcast on our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can get stuff like cheat sheets, summaries of the episodes, bonus content, merchandise, and we can keep producing a great show like this one for you every week. So thanks to all our listeners for taking the time to tune in. And thanks so much to Christy for joining us. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks for being here. And
0: you can get all the show notes for this episode at paper.tmlco.com
1: slash 130. As always, I'm on Twitter at TV calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. And where can we find you or the program on Twitter or Instagram or any of these things? What would you like to put out there?
2: Instagram is Disney ABCC TDI, mm-hmm. And we have a website that is disneyabccreativetalentdevelopment.com.
0: Sounds good. If you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas for a future episode, you can send them to ask at paperteam.co. And next week, we will be tackling the CBS Writers Mentoring Program with Jeannie Mao. Hey,
2: Jeannie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you next week. Bye.